Hi, I'm Thomas Manning, and welcome into Real Conversations. I'm so glad today to be joined by the director of Sideways, a reel-to-reel film fest selection. I'm here with Daniel Smith. So, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, how's it going? Doing great. Uh, so, if you just want to start things out by giving us a little bit of background in your filmmaking career, and uh, you are with the North Carolina School of the Arts, I believe. So, just what has kind of led you up to this point and uh, directing your short film? Right. Yeah. So uh, every year the school uh, puts on different different level projects. They have you know fourth year films, third year films, second year films, and uh, each uh, each year you get a higher budget and more time to work on each of these projects. Uh, so your education throughout your four years is kind of uh, to culminate to working on one of these fourth year projects. And uh, when I was, I guess it was third year, uh, you start pitching for the fourth year projects. And so uh, a friend of mine, Ben Trowner, uh, he and I got together and kind of developed this idea about uh, these characters uh, that go uh, sideways. Their gravity shifts towards a wall. And we started running with that idea and kind of developed it from, from very early stages of just, you know, what could we do with that concept uh, to eventually honing into the story we wanted to tell um, with, you know, a situation going sideways, as it were, um, and just kind of uh, developed it from there. We had to go through a pitching process with our faculty because um, they want to try to make it kind of a uh, test run of, you know, pitching uh, real-world scripts. Um, so you go through a process of rewrites and repitches until you assemble a team of, you know, cinematographers, uh, producers, editors, um, and eventually, if your film is one of the eight or so that are selected every year, uh, it goes through into production um, and then becomes an actual film that will shoot uh, in a block uh, during the fall of your fourth year. Um, and so it was just a uh, uh, one of those projects that uh, we got a little limited budget on because right when we started pitching the idea, they decided they were going to cut back the time we had to work on it. Uh, instead of a six-day shoot, we were limited to a three-day shoot. Uh, which hadn't been done before at the school uh, in a fourth-year project. So we were a little nervous about trying to make something as kind of complicated as this uh, in such a limited time constraint, but it ended up working out. Yeah, and no, speaking of how complicated it is, I was very impressed with how practical the effects seemed. It seemed like you pulled off a lot of things in camera. So what was uh, what were some of the processes there was it like wire work or um, were there some digital enhancements how did that uh, go about yeah so with the story in place the the biggest thing was the the effects just trying to make this concept work with one character being on the ground and one character on the wall um we we toyed around with a lot of ideas we we collaborated with our uh, production design faculty um who one of them you know pitched the idea of uh, using a rotating set, so the set would uh, be on like a hinge at one of the corners and would be able to uh, be fully rotated to its side. Uh, but when we started really kind of running with that idea, we realized it was going to be way too expensive and probably uh, a little less safe because of all the, uh, you know, like the bed would eventually be up on the wall. And if that fell and, you know, hurt anyone, that would be about, that, would, that wouldn't be a good time. Uh, but uh, we ended up coming up with this idea for uh, just two identical sets right next to one another. Um, but the second set, the one that was actually sideways, only had the bottom half of the uh, set. So you only had the wall that uh, our actor was uh, standing on, and then you had the lower bed, 
and the bookshelf and nothing else was above that. Um, and we, uh, we really had to execute this like to make sure it worked in time. We did a lot of pre-production work uh, on the set, uh, making sure that uh, that first, that master wide, that kind of makes an appearance throughout the whole film. Uh, we had to basically get two, uh, two cameras set up identically so that uh, you would have basically a split screen effect um, for most of those wide shots where you see them. Um, and uh, so you have the, you know, the two cameras and then actors are on two different sets at this point. Um, and so in order for them to interact with one another, we ended up setting up two monitors, uh, one at the, one of the ceiling above the, uh, the first actor and then one on the wall with the second actor's eye line. So their eye lines would meet properly and they could still interact off of one another because that was a big thing for me especially was making sure the actors would have uh, the ability to see each other and act off of each other because uh, Pat Monahan and uh, David Johnson, they are the two leads in it and they are some of the funniest guys I've ever met. And uh, I just knew their chemistry would need to, you know, work for this film to, uh, to be pulled off in the way it was. Um, there was some digital use, uh, you know, we, some, I think for some of the shots, because the upper part of the sideways set isn't there, we had to take, you know, uh, reference photos and uh, plates from other shots and actually fill it in, digitally paint it in uh, so the final product. Uh, there was uh, another day we spent, we got an actual fourth day uh, to do a VFX shoot uh, over at a little lab we have off campus um, in front of a giant green screen where we got some of the shots like the uh, like the doorway shot with the police officer was shot on a green screen and then the uh, the shot where he's actually pulling uh, he's pulling uh, Carter off the wall was also green screened it's uh, so we just wanted to marry all these kind of elements together uh, so that the audience wouldn't get too familiar with the techniques we were using and become bored of them. We wanted to keep throwing new techniques to uh, pull off this effect uh, effectively. And uh, you mentioned the two lead performances, just the chemistry felt so organic and authentic. So what was it like working with those actors and uh, you know, writing dialogue for them, developing these characters, uh, just everything seemed to flow so beautifully. So just walk through that process a little bit. Yeah, so they're both actors from School of the Arts, uh, or they were, they graduated this past year along with me, uh, but they were from the School of Drama, and the school likes to kind of promote, you know, collaboration between the, between the, two, the fields, and so I had a film that was going to take place with, like, people in their early 20s, so I, I pulled specifically from the School of Drama uh, because of how talented, you know, the people I've worked with on other films have been, and I also knew Pat, uh, Pat and David personally, and so just getting to work with them and uh uh you know they're usually pat has done a lot of you know film work before and so has david uh but they're actually trained uh, in theater performance like stage performance and uh just wanting to give them especially like the opportunity to work on films as much as possible because with something the school of drama doesn't get to do as much in their uh you know unless they're given the opportunity by the school of film uh but yeah working with them they're super great because like I was asking them to do some like some very impossible tasks, you know, sometimes I would just give them, uh, you know, like some command, like, you know, you know, just roll around, do something really physical, you know, and then they'd, they'd go off the rails with it, you know, for, for one take we would do, we'd go on the script, you know, it would be exactly what was on paper. And then for another one, we'd go, I just said, okay, just wing it, just go with wherever, whatever direction you want to go with it. 
and then the scene would completely go off rails. Um, and so you'd end up with these, these lines that weren't originally in the script that we decided to put in because they were so funny um, during the improv takes. That, like, so the film kind of was built in the post-production process. Um, and that's thanks to them and their, their amazing chemistry together and their amazing uh, comedic talents. Yeah, I had wondered how much of the dialogue was scripted and how much was ad-libbed or improv because uh, they were just, you know, spitting out rapid-fire dialogue just line after line. Yeah, and it's, I think there's there's only a few instances, I think, of actual improv in the film. Uh, we had it in the earlier cut, in the first cut, which was like a 20-minute long cut, uh, there was a lot of scripted dialogue and a lot of improv dialogue that was in there. And we actually cut out a lot more scripted dialogue uh, and so that really didn't leave much room for the improv, but we still ended up putting it in, uh, because it just worked out. Like sometimes they would just take the lines and the line would be simply on paper. You know, uh, there's the line about the queen of England, uh, you know, and it just like it, it, it but the, the physicality of David during that scene, uh, is just, is all him, you know, him just waving his hands around and, and raising his voice and stuff like that. It's, so, you know, they really took the script and I think elevated it uh, from what it was, so. And um, I got to ask about something like scene transitions with little mini miniature sets, but those little model sets. So uh, where did that idea come from? And, uh, you know, it just, it kind of reminded me of something from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I, I would say. So uh, just how did that come about? Yeah, I won't. I won't deny that Mr. Rogers was partially inspired. It's partially inspired those those uh, establishing shots. Uh, we knew we wanted to have uh, miniatures in the film uh, because we had uh, the resource of uh, one of our professors, Patrick Johnson, who has a, a history in miniatures, and so we knew he'd be able to help us out with that. Uh, and wanting to put this in the, its own like world, uh, that was a big thing for us. Was uh, if you've ever seen the the, uh, the short film, uh, The New Tenants, uh, there's this, uh, the entire film takes place in one apartment where people keep coming in, bad things keep happening, people keep dying, and the whole film takes place in this one apartment. And uh, one of my professors always mentioned that at the end of the film, when they leave the apartment, it's kind of a mistake because there's some sort of mystique about the actual apartment. And so we kind of took that into some inspiration saying, okay, we only exist like within this apartment. So what does the outside world look like? Well, it maybe it doesn't even exist. Maybe it's like some miniature model. And so, uh, you know, maybe it's like a, a, a kid's dollhouse or something like that. So we kind of pulled from inspiration on that just to keep it in its own anti-reality because everything in this film is, is kind of, uh, it, it's not realistic, you know, not just the, the sideways gravity part, but they're, they're the apartment that they're in. It's all more about the emotion, I guess, of like just, just getting the story across in a simple way um, without too much need for detail uh, and just kind of stylizing the film a lot. Um, and, oh God, our, our, our miniatures team was awesome. I was, I was in, the, the, uh, in the workshop watching them and they're just putting these little, uh, fire hydrants together. They're painting, painstakingly hand painting these little, you know, grooves into these, uh, fire hydrants and, uh, turning, you know, wine corks into, uh, trash cans. It was just, it was impressive. Um, and of course, one of our, our VFX, uh, VFX workers, he went in and actually 
uh, added small details into those uh, scenes, like little flies at the at the the lamp post and and things like that to help kind of bring it back to like a place of reality in a way. Uh, <laughs> but then the the cop car sound effect that was something from the early script, and the early script changed a lot because it was actually a there was, there was a lot more whimsical, I guess. Uh, but we decided to ground the film a bit more because there was like so there was the uh, the miniature cop car sound effect, and then there was uh, this there was this photograph, the photograph that they look at throughout the film. At one point, it ended up uh, when they stopped being friends for a while, it would it flipped to like a thumbs down version of them instead of a thumbs up. Um, so there was a lot of these more uh, ma like magical, whimsical elements to it. Uh, we decided no, we had to we had to pull back on those. But the, the cop car was something that was like, let's let's keep that in. And the sound designer was absolutely on board with that. And I think obviously realism has its place in storytelling, but with this, you were able to kind of strike that balance between some like fantastical elements and realism and able, and you were able to tell a very uh, relevant story about friendship and the ebbs and flows of relationships and things like that. So, you know, how important was it for you to, I guess, not take it too seriously and find a way to tell a, a very important story in a way that still brought in some like fantasy elements. Yeah, the the first story of it, well, the first idea we came up with was uh, just this idea of like almost it's weird. It was a horror film. It was almost like a thriller um, where suddenly gravity stops working and everything shifted to the left, and these people are at a party and everything crashes into the wall, like all the furniture and everything too. And it's this like horror film of a man trying to ascend. Uh, what was once a hallway to get to his cell phone uh, to figure out what's going on. He's got like a broken leg. And, all stuff. and it was a very dark original concept. And we immediately scrapped that. And we're like, let's make this lighter. And so uh, the, st the story we like to tell is that Ben and I were sitting like at a, at a Chili's, you know, middle of the afternoon. We we're just talking about like coming up with an idea. And so we started, we we're like, okay, well, what, what are our characters? And we came up with like four friends that were sitting at like a dinner table and they have an argument and then with one of them and one of them goes home and he wakes up on the wall and then they come over and try to help him get down. And eventually, you know, that, that eventually just, uh, became, uh, the current script you see, we just took the the three other friends and turned them into one friend and made them roommates. Uh, because we realized one of the simplest stories that people don't tell often is the story of like, you know, how move, living together can kind of cause even best friends to have some strife. Um, and I was super interested in telling just a really simple story for once because a lot of short films go for big, you know, big scale. You know, we, I see a lot of like short films that are about, you know, depressing topics and, th and those have their place, you know, uh, but I just, I didn't want to tell one. I wanted to tell one with kind of low stakes, but the characters bring the stakes back up to like, you know, a high importance. Um, and so just telling something that, had a had a a good message to it that was fun to watch and really uh, fun to make and just just exist in the world of um, was something I was super interested in doing and I think if we had made it like even like darker or just like not a comedy I don't think it would have had the same impact because the situation's already ridiculous and if we're asking the audience to you know <laughs> you know believe this wholeheartedly it just becomes you know, it just becomes weird because off-putting. So the, the simplicity of the story actually, I think, helps the, the strange concept. 
Yeah, and I felt like the arc of their friendship, um, it went through a few more, like, challenges and humps than you would usually find in a story like this. It felt like there was, like, one moment where I was like, okay, this is the part where they're going to kind of make up, but then there was still one more challenge ahead of that. So, you know, I guess working with your screenwriter and um, with that script, what was the kind of the decision-making process there to have it not be such an easy fix with their relationship and uh, have it, you know, feel like once they finally did mend things, felt like it was really earned? Uh, so, I, so I had a roommate, uh, <clears throat> I had a roommate uh, when I was a, uh, a freshman and uh, one of the biggest problems we always had was that our cleanliness, no, cleanliness levels weren't uh, like at the same levels. Like he would let things get way out of hand and I was just always frustrated about it. And so I always like had this joke. I was like, I would tell my friends, I was like, I just want to like put like a tape line down the middle of the room and people always talk about that. And I said, okay, what if it was legitimately a tape line? And we started talking about, you know, how funny it would be to have like two sides of the room. Um, and we realized that was like one of the biggest issues that roommates run into is cleanliness. Um, but we didn't want to give credence to a, a right or a wrong. We didn't want to say, okay, because the usual story would be that the cleaner, you know, side would be the, the, the better side and the messy side is gross and you don't want that. And so, you know, Carter would be in the right in that instance. We didn't want either character to really be in the right. Uh, we wanted Carter to be wrong. Like the reason he goes to the wall is because he starts, you know, you know, yelling at, uh, at, uh, at Kurt to move out and everything and, and whatever sideways magic you want to call it, you know, puts him up on the wall. But then as things get worse, they both end up on the wall. Um, and so just the, uh, the story of, you know, it, it did in, in, the, in an original draft of the script, it did kind of stagnate about midway through the story before uh, like he gets on the wall and they start yelling at one another and they try a bunch of methods and then it, they can't get off and they have another argument and then they make up and it felt dumb. It felt like the story wasn't going anywhere. You'd already, you know, you're, you know, nine pages in and we're still kind of in the same situation. One character on the wall, one character on the floor. So in another script, we had them flip. We had uh, at the midpoint had Kurt fly to his wall um, and they would have like this kind of throwing things across the room at each other, uh, fight on the wall. Uh, but then in the interest of budget, we put them on the same wall. Um, but we felt like that midpoint shift where things get even worse, like kind of reflected that things have to get worse before they get better. And that both characters need that new perspective at that point. You know, they needed to level the playing field again um, to, in order to make up. Um, and I think it was just a matter of wanting to take, again, what is, what is typically a low stakes situation, you know, bet, like friends might not be friends afterwards. It's not like it's the end of the world. Uh, but for them, we wanted to bring the audience to a situation where it was the end of the world. You know, if they, like something in the universe is wanting to keep them together. Um, and that was, you know, they talk about the power of best friendship. And so we wanted to, it was just a way to make the story stronger and make it, make a, a stupid small scale situation, you know, seem huge. And uh, with what we've seen with COVID-19 over the past six, seven months or so, and how it's impacted so many levels of everyday life, but also the film industry. So uh, what does it mean for you to have the film festival circuit and, you know, virtual festivals like we have with Real to Real to have your work still be seen by audiences, even though it might be in a different form than you would have imagined previously? 
Yeah, well, yeah, we were lucky to kind of be able to wrap up post-production right around the time that uh, COVID-19 was really picking up. Um, so we were lucky enough to to get everything finished up for uh, for a, a festival version. Um, and so it's been great, you know. Uh, I'm glad to have these opportunities. Uh, we've gotten into a few film festivals already, and uh, including Real to Real. And it's just been it's been awesome, you know, because it actually allows us to see like more people to see our work because when we would go to other festivals like in person, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, you had to oh, you, someone wants to see your film. Oh, okay, well you got to come out to Raleigh or you got to come out to I don't know Fort Lauderdale. It's like oh my god, uh, and so it just became a it's 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 become a really great opportunity for people to see these films remotely. Like I remember when. Uh, we first screened our films where it's tip at our school, which is typically like at our theater and it's only got 300 seats, you know, and, and typically there's overflow. Um, everyone got to spend the whole weekend watching the films at their own leisure. It was super cool. Um, and I think, you know, stories, especially during this time, are super important. People are always looking for new stuff to watch while, you know, they can't do all the things they used to want to do. Um, and so I think, you know, especially bite-sized stories like short films are really helpful during this time um, where the future of, you know, you know, blockbuster movies and theaters is kind of up in the air. We don't know how it's going to be when it gets out, but yeah, it's been, it's been a great opportunity. I'm super excited to, you know, continue. Eventually I'd like to see this film in some real, in some in-person festivals in the spring, but uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you just want to share generally about your film that uh, I didn't get to? Uh, I just really enjoyed talking to you and really enjoyed your film, but I don't want to restrict anything that uh, you might want to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just I guess we, we really hit on a lot of the topics, but uh, uh, it was just a great experience getting to uh, ever since I was in uh, in high school, like junior year of high school is when I started like getting into filmmaking. I had a digital media class. And we ended up going on a tour of School of the Arts, and I was like, I see all these posters on the on the the big walls, and I would go to the screenings every year. I was like, God, I want to make one of those one day. And eventually, you know, I got into the school and started building my way to the top as a director. And eventually, uh, was making the film. And it was it was in the middle of making the film uh, when I sort of had that realization. I was like, Oh my God, this was this was the thing that I wanted to do as a kid. You know, like when I was younger, I was like, this was my goal and I'm doing it. Like I'm in the middle of making one of those films I used to watch, you know, at age 16, 17. And I was like, oh man. And it kind of hit me in the middle of the shoot that I was like, this is it. This is, I, I, I achieved the thing I wanted to achieve. And I was, it was, it was a weird moment. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a very emotional moment for a second there. But uh, I'm just, I was really like grateful for the team that, you know, that got together uh, to make this film. There was some issues there at the beginning of uh, once we got the film through uh, the pitches and was going to get made. There was some issues about assembling a team because every other every other film was flocking towards to, you know, to assemble their team. And uh, we were having trouble finding like cinematography and we were having trouble finding an editor. Um, but eventually it all fell into place and we had probably one of the greatest teams I've ever worked with uh, on a film just super ready to, you know, work on something that's intimidating. Uh, but also like, uh, their, their talents are absolutely on showcase here, you know, um, from, from everything from like the, uh, 
the production design to the editing to the cinematography. Uh, just everything was a challenge on this film and they all stepped up to it and helped, helped me create something so ridiculous and so insane that uh, even some faculty were telling me, it was like, this is going to be a difficult film to make. I don't, this is, I don't think anyone's tried to do this, like, you know, manipulating gravity on screen in that way. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll do it, whatever, you know. So we're just, I'm just really grateful for the opportunities that I've had and the people I've had to uh, help me, you know, achieve those. Yeah. And uh, if people want to keep up with your work, whether it be through social media or a website you have, uh, where would you send them to keep up with you? Uh, uh, if you want to follow me, I, uh, I have a Twitter. Uh, it's at Hazardous Daniel. Uh, and um, you can find me there. I'm, I'm usually, I think I'm Hazardous Daniel on most, on most platforms. So, uh, you know, uh, Instagram, things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Daniel, really appreciate your time today and uh, really enjoyed your film and we're glad to be showing it here at Real to Real. And uh, just thanks for everything that uh, you've done to bring your art to us. I will thank you. Thank you guys so much. It's, it's been, it's been an awesome time. Thanks for like taking the time to do this interview. Absolutely. And uh, I'm Thomas Manning with the Real to Real Film Fest with Daniel Smith, the director of Sideways. Thank you so much for joining in to Real Conversations.